are live. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Jonathan Cogan Show. I'm your host, Johnny K. It's always great to be with you. Today, we are talking about the phenomenal news of a sovereign debt crisis, the incredible, strong as hell economy, which I actually meant to lead off with this video. I am so sorry I didn't. So I'm going to play it right now. This was five months ago. If you're in the United States, this is your president, Joe Biden, eating an ice cream cone. Okay. And he was asked if he's concerned five months ago about the strength of the dollar. You'll be able to hear it. It's kind of a little quiet. So you got to you know listen closely. Is he concerned about the strength of the dollar or the economy? And here is what he says. I'm not concerned about the strength of the dollar. I'm concerned about the rest of the world. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, our economy is going to fail. We internally. <laughs> <laughs> so he was asked if he's concerned about the economy, if he's concerned about the strength of the dollar. And not only did he say, no, he's not, but he also says our economy is quote strong as hell. And then my favorite part is he's not worried about America. He's only worried about the rest of the world. <laughs> That's the president of the United States of America is not concerned about the United States of America, he's only worried about the rest of the world. That is totally normal. Don't ask any questions. So I want to provide you a better understanding of what's going on because it could seem scary, although you're told by politicians and the mainstream propaganda networks, everything's fine, everything's great, everything's fantastic. In fact, you were just told five months ago how fantastic the economy was. And then all of a sudden you have like a $260 billion bank, boom, go out. And then you got First Republic. Boom, dropping like flies. Signature Bank, boom, dropping like a fly. Uh, Silvergate, boom. Oh, my God, how many banks are there? Jeez, wow, they're just dropping like flies. Now you got Credit Suisse. That is a critical bank in the ecosystem of banks. They're all interconnected. They all own a little bit of that, a little bit of this. They're all intertwined, okay? It's one big financial monetary system of the West, and it's crumbling in real time. We have been ice skating on thin air since the 2008 crisis. And to provide a better explanation of this, very simple explanation, very straightforward, I'm going to share a video right now of Gregory Manorino. Gregory Manorino is fantastic on this stuff. He really is. He's very, very good. And uh, he explains uh, exactly what I want to explain. And uh, he does it really simply, and it's very good. Uh, this is a couple minutes long. And if you think what happened in 2007, 2008, 2009, whatever, just went away, you are mistaken. All right, Gregory, take it away meltdown here 2007 2008 there was a problem with credit default swaps mortgage-backed securities if you believe that these things just miraculously just went away well then then i i, I think you're completely off you got to fix your compass here uh these these issues exist and they're magnified the other problem here that is um doesn't get any coverage at all is the issue with regard to the investment banks holding treasuries uh, that are yielding absolutely nothing at this particular point, and they can't get rid of them. These are toxic assets, and they were bought with, well, the depositors' money. So these banks are loaded, all of them, the mega banks too, loaded your money. with what would be called toxic assets yet again.
So we're just in the early stages of a global, worldwide, okay, banking system bailout. But what you're not being told yet again, and you will not be told, is this is massively hyperinflationary. Again, you cannot just add digits to a screen, print cash out of thin air, do whatever they got to do, just put a trillion dollars here, $2 trillion over there, $4 trillion over there, billions of dollars, and there not be a ripple effect through the entire financial system. Again, you know how this works here. Every, every let's just talk about a dollar that the Fed has. If they make a dollar, if the Fed prints a dollar, a lovely brand new, you know, dollar bill, is it automatically worth a dollar? I hope you said no, because it isn't. What happens is once a bill in any form, whether it's printed or added to a screen, is created, in order to get purchasing power, it has to steal a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of purchasing power from every single other bill in existence. And this process dilutes the money supply, dilutes the purchasing power of the currency, and it goes on and on and on. How many of you out here believe that a single politician, one, knows what I just said? Why is it, let me ask you, we're friends here, right? We're friends. Why is it that the entire system is being bailed out here? Uh, trillions of dollars. And I don't know, have you heard any of our, our caring, loving uh, representatives go to the airwaves and say, everyone, hold on a minute here. This is a bailout. They won't do it. They can't call this a bailout. Can't be done, uh, especially under President Mummy Man, who's looking to be reelected. <laughs> Paul Waltz. <laughs> so you understand what's going on here. This is a massive catastrophe. You haven't known, but we have been skating on an artificial economy since the 2008 crisis. That's really when the banking system plummeted, collapsed. Done. I don't even know the word. I was going to say like bingo, but that's that's wouldn't work there. Um and so basically they we've just been in an inflated system and skating through and really this was really on the verge of collapse which you could have saw which you could see in the repo market in, in 2019 before the uh the airborne sickness came around which all of a sudden was at the same time that this economic system globally was collapsing and then we have this virus that took over the world lock everyone down massive massive amounts of money were pumped into the system trillions upon trillions of dollars were pumped into the global monetary system to keep it up so was there going to be a collapse in late 2019 early 2020 perhaps but we had a sickness virus come at the perfect time almost like it was intervened intentionally to prevent a financial crisis perhaps could be conspiratorial. We don't know. All we do know is if that happened and now all the money is draining out of the system, you have a liquidity crisis and there is a massive sovereign debt crisis that is inevitable and you have to keep inflating the system, pulling money in from the future to the now to keep the whole system propped up. That is why we spend it on wars. That's why we spend on Operation Warp Speed. That's why Probably in California, they're giving $5 million reparations for race or in New York, all this stuff. They have to spend more and more money. So you have to have crazy psychotic things happen. And now you got Credit Suisse, okay? Who has, we know if you've been following this podcast, has been having some difficulty over the past year. They've been secretly getting money, but we followed it. 
Why? Because we have access to the internet and we are unbiased, apolitical, and all we care about is the truth. And so that's what we do. We search for the truth and we talk about it no matter how uncomfortable that truth is. Why? Because you deserve the truth. Period. Full stop. Okay? That's it. It's basic. All right? So I want you to know exactly what's going on with Credit Suisse. And I think the best explanation that I found is from Graham Stevens. Graham Stevens. Uh, who gives a good explanation. I'm going to play a little clip, him explaining why Credit Suisse, uh, basically what's going on with it and how big of a deal it is. So Graham, Steven, good follow on uh, YouTube. Take it away. The largest banks in the world, Credit Suisse. After all, the situation is getting so bad that their share price has collapsed 97% down to $2. Their largest investors have just refused to give them more cash. And some believe this to now be the start of a slow rolling crisis with the bank contagion just beginning. So given these claims and just how interconnected the entire banking system is, let's break down exactly what's happening, what this means for the entire market, if there's a chance of more banks possibly failing soon, and then finally, what you could do about this to make sure you're best protected. Although before we start, if you want to be kept up to date on everything happening in the markets, feel free to subscribe. Selena, thank you for doing that. I'll do my best for this video, but more on that later. All right, so in order to grasp the magnitude of what's going on, you first have to understand how the banking system works. And to do that, I gotta introduce you to Credit Suisse. They're one of the world's most prominent global banks with over $1.5 trillion under management, more than 50,000 employees, offices throughout the entire world, and a designation as one of the systemically important financial institutions of 2023. Or I guess more simply put, they have a massive impact on a variety of money-related transactions. And because of that, They've been ranked as one of the necessary operations that keeps our economy going as pretty much being too big to fail. However, a quick look into their past gives us a slightly different picture. For instance, in 2017, Credit Suisse was fined $5.3 billion for overvaluing mortgage-backed securities during the 2008 Great Financial Crisis, which resulted in... And I quote, the loss of billions of dollars of wealth and took a painful toll in the lives of ordinary Americans. In fact, the settlement denounced that the bank knew it was peddling investments containing loans that were likely to fail, and they did it anyway. But that's only just the very beginning. In 2009, they forfeited $536 million for violating the International Emergency Economic Powers Act. By 2014, they pled guilty to assisting U.S. taxpayers so in their filing history, false returns. All these big banks, which, by the way, have been controlling the narrative of the world since 2008. So where did woke come from? Okay, it came from. These terrible banks that had awful reputations that lost complete trust of society. Okay. Remember the Wall Street protests and stuff to join with, in this case, the far left to, to show that they're social justice warriors, that they really care that all of a sudden the banks love you more than life itself and they want your family to thrive and they care about humanity and they're not all about profits. They're about equity. They want equity. They love you. But JP Morgan and Chase, they don't care about profits. They care about equity for you and all peasants worldwide. Obviously, this is a farce and it's totally not true, but that's where it came from. So they hijacked social justice causes. Uh, uh, causes put a ton of money behind it. Like, for for example, Silicon Valley Bank put seventy three billion dollars towards BLM because they love black people. They love black people. There is no bank in the world that loves black people more than Silicon Valley Bank. Now, obviously, banks don't care about your race. They care about taking your money. 
but they tricked you. They tricked all of us into thinking that they're all of a sudden social justice warriors that care about equity, whatever that means, which by the way, if you just saw Bernie Sanders was on Bill Maher and he was asked by Bill Maher, what's the difference between equality and equity? And I should just pull this up in real time. And he goes, I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. So they don't know. They don't know, but they know enough for them to campaign on it because they get all of their contributions and all of their funding from all of the big banks across the country and across the world to promote whatever the banks want them to. So if the banks say equity, they say equity. It's called a parrot talking point. Okay. That is what happens. We're follow the money. It's one of the oldest tactics in the world and it works. Okay. So they don't, your politicians don't care about equity. Your banks don't care about equity. They don't even know what it means, but they know that it makes you happy and makes them seem like the good guys. And so they're going to keep funding those causes. You're going to keep depositing more money. And then when the bank system collapse, they, they, they take all the money and all of a sudden you have nothing left because that is the sovereign debt crisis that we are currently in. So it's a disaster. All right. It is a disaster. And, um, I want to continue playing this, uh, for a second. So let's, let's continue playing this from Graham Stephen and then we'll get back into more of this. But I wanted to give you a little, you know, a little bit of a little summary there. All right. Here we go. $5 billion fine. In 2019, they were caught spying on their top executives, resulting in the forced resignation of their CEO. In 2021, they lost $4.7 billion from a failed investment firm that defrauded its clients. In 2022, their clientele was leaked to include individuals that would probably get this video demonetized right after being found guilty for money laundering. And just before the year ended, they paid $500 million to settle a mortgage fine. Although in terms of what's happening today and why people are calling for the possibility of a second, much worse collapse, here's what you need to know. All of this begins at the end of 2022 when the CEO of Credit Suisse made a statement that the bank was at a critical moment and tried to reassure employees not to confuse the day-to-day -day stock price with the firm's strong capital base and liquidity position. Why would they say this, you might ask? Well, in addition to their stock price having declined over 90% throughout the last decade, they were about to undertake a major restructuring to try to return the company back to profitability. But in doing so, they needed to raise capital, which some saw as a last-ditch effort to stay afloat, much like Lehman Brothers did right before their highly publicized downfall. See, in order to operate, banks must pass what's known as a stress test to ensure that they could survive a wide variety of financial conditions. And their previous results were less than optimal. Yahoo noted that their tier two capital is lagging behind regulatory requirements, which means the bank lacks the necessary capital to restructure successfully. And shortly after that was released, everything broke loose. Once investors began digging deeper into the company financials, critics warned of their path moving forward, declining revenue, and dwindling returns that could have a significant impact on the entire market, which only ended up getting worse. Throughout 2022, customers of Credit Suisse withdrew billions of dollars from the bank, contributing to the bank's biggest annual loss since the financial crisis in 2008. Then again, in February of 2023, the Federal Reserve stress test revealed that Credit Suisse was exposed to both global market shock and counterparty defaults with connections throughout the entire world. And finally, as if things were not bad enough, on March 14th, the bank said that it had found material weaknesses in its financial 
financial reporting over the last two years because of ineffective internal controls. Essentially, this could be material misstatements in account balances for disclosures. And when one of the largest banks in the world says this, their customers justifiably begin to panic, as reflected in what's known as credit default swaps. Now, I know this sounds complicated, but just imagine it like this. Anytime a bank issues a loan, they have the option to purchase what's called a credit default swap, which acts kind of like an insurance in the event the borrower doesn't pay it back. In this case, one bank is able to transfer their risk to another bank for a small fee, and then that second bank takes on all the risk. Now, in the event that second bank has to pay back the first bank, they aren't completely out of luck because they'd assume the rights of the underlying investment, and they're collecting enough of a premium from other credit default swaps to offset the risk. However, if a bank issues too many credit default swaps, and they don't have the cash on hand to issue all of the insurance payouts, then potentially they would be forced to raise a huge amount of cash to cover the deficit. And if they don't, then they could go under. This is similar to what we saw throughout the 2008 Great Financial Crisis, where banks like Lehman Brothers collapsed from a lack of capital once they couldn't pay for non-performing loans. And now the concern is that history is beginning to repeat itself, except this time with a bit of a twist. In this case, Credit Suisse is one of the biggest buyers of U.S. home loans. Their customers are beginning to withdraw their money at the fastest pace in decades, and as of today, the cost of their credit default swaps skyrocketed to its highest level ever in history, implying that investors are beginning to bet on the entire company's demise. So in terms of what this means for you, your money, and the market, here's what you need to know. Although before we go into that- So that that is a good explanation of what's going on. There's nothing to worry about. It's just one of the biggest banks in the world. It's not a big deal. It's fantastic. It's phenomenal. Read all the mainstream news. They're going to tell you how fantastic it is. And if you even question Credit Suisse being unstable or perhaps even going under, then you become a Putin puppet because Putin would love that. Okay. So if you question banks, if you dare or have the audacity to question a bank and if they are going to go under, you are a Putin puppet. Okay. You understand? Great. Fantastic. I'm glad we're on the same page. Okay. So um, I'm going to play one more clip here um, of Ed Dowd. Who's Ed Dowd? So Ed Dowd uh, has written a book. Uh, it's a bestseller called Cause Unknown, talking about how, um, let's say, after uh, the virus and some stuff was rolled out to help with the virus, excess mortality has become the highest it's ever been. And just like, and, and the workforce in the, in America, the disabilities are skyrocketing like four sigma fold, which is like a crazy once in a lifetime flood event. So our workforce, which no one can find workers, people are becoming disabled. Millennials are dying at a rate they've never died at, but I'm sure it's totally normal and there's nothing to worry about. Do not question anything or you are pro Putin. You understand. Okay, great. Uh, so Ed Dowd worked for BlackRock and was an investment manager for like billions of dollars, but looked at why the economy was, you know, basically, you know, falling apart. And it was because literally people in the workforce are becoming disabled or dying off. And we don't know why it's a complete mystery and doctors are absolutely baffled. So we'll leave that one at that. And, uh, here's Ed Dowd, uh, giving a little explanation of what's going on. I think he has a good take on it. I think it's worth the listen. Uh, it's short and, uh, here we go. So let me play it. Oh, hold on. All right. Let me play it. 19, there was a repo crisis overnight, uh, lending rates exploded and, uh, the system was going to unwind then, then luckily for the system, COVID came along and allowed central banks and politicians to spend unprecedented amounts of money 
and that saved the system until now. And what we're seeing going on was baked into the cake. It was inevitable. It's a global sovereign debt collapse. And in November of last year, we saw something happen that hasn't happened since 1930. What is that? That's money supply, M2, year-over-year growth rate went below zero. It's happened, this is the fifth time it's happened, and the other four times since 1868 were associated with financial panics. And what preceded all those panics were, was a great inflationary speculative time. The stock market went to new all-time highs in January of 22. And so now we, we see uh, what's, what's going on, and it, it, it's beyond everyone's control, the Fed, the governments. So the question is, can they control the implosion? And I suspect they want to do it slow over time so they can grab power. If it happens too quick, it's uh, kitty bar the door and then there's. So is it is it possible we are going to see, as predicted on this podcast, like everything else, CBDC sooner than we actually anticipated, even on this podcast, which we're way ahead of the curve. Basically, you get all the truth here about six to nine months ahead of everybody else in the world. It's fantastic. Um, so I highly implore you to go look at the library of work that we've done here and the apolitical movement that we have started that is going whoosh, through the roof at record paces that human history has never seen before. People have never wanted to be so apolitical and free and, and, and have their money secure and not have chaos go on in the world every single day. Anti-World War III, pro-peace, pro-human, anti-tyranny, very basic, basic fundamentals. So go listen to some of those episodes. But is it possible that we are going to see CBDC sooner or later? You have The Economist coming out and saying there's, you know, people deserve to be safe, safe. Your government wants to keep you safe. Remember, every time your government wants to keep you safe, you lose a little bit of your civil liberties that took, you know, I don't know, generations or like millennia to, to, to get. They take them away and they don't give them back. And then they say you're safe. So anytime your government wants to keep you safe, you should ask questions, but don't obviously the government will say, don't ask questions. And most likely everybody will just be like, okay, fine. We won't ask questions. I want to be safe. I want to be safe. Before you know it, you'll be in a mental institution with like rubber walls and you won't be able to do anything, but guess what? You'll be so safe. You'll be fantastically safe. So I, I, I'm, I'm still stunned by the amount of people that would give up everything to be safe. Whatever that even means, everything like people, I, I, I'm stunned by the amount of people that hate freedom. It's blown my mind to a degree that I didn't even know my mind could be blown, but apparently people hate freedom in 2023. I don't know if it's a new generation thing. I don't know. I, I don't know. But if you love freedom and you love to be apolitical and you love truth and you have no biases and you just want to know what's going on, then this is the community because we talk. It's uncomfortable. It's rough, but guess what? It's truthful. And I guess this last thing before we get back into this, I literally thought never in a, quadrillion years, if that's even a number, that it would be so difficult to get the truth out there that people want to hear it. Like people want to push away the truth and live in a bubble of falsehoods. It's bizarre. It is bizarre. I'm literally experiencing that one day with, with I'm in this chat group with some friends and, and one of them is just so far gone into an inverted reality. It is bananas. It is so fan. It's so fascinating to actually watch and participate in. Um, crazy absolutely crazy stuff uh but that's that so yeah sovereign debt crisis so the economist is coming out saying that uh you know everyone needs to be safe so we need to have cbdc's we need to have cbdc's uh you know so the government can survey everybody and then everyone will be safe so 
So let me play a little clip here from uh, explaining this exact coverage from George Gammon, Rebel Capitalist, uh, who says we may actually see a CBDC this year, which I'm I still think it's early, but you're seeing a lot of things put in motion, like the Fed putting in that new um, program uh, by June, which will allow them to trade like instantly with other big banks, you know, centralizing more power. Regional banks are being sold. JP Morgan Chase is buying them up. All these other banks are buying up the little regional banks, centralizing power. Much easier to roll out a CBDC when there's less institutions and you have more control. And if you have learned anything over the past few years, it's all about centralized control, obviously. Okay, here we go. To a central bank digital currency. And we can already start to see this narrative being pushed by the mainstream media. Let's go right over to my Twitter feed and check this out from The Economist magazine. From Silicon Valley to Switzerland, depositors and taxpayers are facing a mighty scare. They should not have to live with the fear and fragility they thought had been consigned to history years ago. What are they talking about, guys? They're talking about exactly (laughs) what we have been saying on this channel for the last, well, for actually many years. Because I told you that the way they would usher in the central bank digital currency or when they would, it would all depend on when we have the next crisis. You know, their their mantra is never let a good crisis go to waste. It's totally normal to have nine trillion crises. So when we do have a crisis, we need to assume that the central planners will try to leverage this crisis, right? And remember the Kissinger quote. And if you guys don't, I've just got it right off the top of my head because I used it in a whiteboard video today. If you control the food, you control the people. When you control the energy, you control the continents. When you control the money, How many times have you heard me say that? I mean, it is, by the way, it's totally normal for there to be 4,000 quadrillion chameleon uh, viruses, well, and viruses, virus crises, back to back to back to back to back. All all of a sudden, oh, there's going to be a new pandemic. There's going to be a new this. Oh, my God, there's a banking crisis. Oh, my God, there's a pandemic. Oh, my God, there's World War III. It's totally normal. It is totally normal to live in the most chaotic society ever. Hasn't your whole life been like this? Isn't every year there's a pandemic, there's some famine, there's a little bit of war, you know, a little bit of banking crises, you know, a little, little totally normal. Don't think twice. Don't ask questions. Tot- and censorship, we've had it forever. It's great. Every society who has had censorship has thrived. Okay? Look at Stalin. They did fantastic. Okay? You have to trust the regime. The regime loves you more than they love their own children. And if you haven't learned that by now, then you are a bigot and Putin puppet. Okay? I don't even know what to say. I mean, it's crazy. You, If someone calls you a Putin puppet, they're just a literally NPC, a non-playable character. They don't think. They don't use critical thinking skills. They just do whatever the current talking point is of the establishment and the neocon and neoliberal world order, which right now is in flux. You're seeing China negotiate with Iran and, uh, and uh, Saudi Arabia, who really hate each other, but now they're going to be friends. And you're literally seeing a world order change in real time before your eyes. So uh, CBDCs might roll in sooner than we thought. Because when there's a crisis like this, you can't let it go to waste. No, you must leverage more power against the peasants. But 
What's happening now at record speed is the peasants are coming together and we are realizing that everything is chaos and they are intentionally doing this to centralize power and control us. And we will not accept it. Absolutely not. No, 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 no. So that's the globin, globin, the global sovereign debt crisis, which I've been warning about in this podcast, many, many podcasts. Go look through the episode list. I'm sure you'll find some phenomenal ones out there. Also, in other news for the bonus story of the day, there's probably going to be a cyber attack from Russia. Perhaps it really, I already did a podcast on this, maybe like eight or 12 ago or something. Go look it up. Very, very good about the simulation they did of a cyber uh, attack and how the World Economic Forum did a study of top CEOs and 87% of them said they expect a global catastrophe, like cyber uh, attack catastrophe crisis in the next two years. They, they predict it. And if you know anything, they, pr- they predicted the, 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 the sickness, the airborne sickness in event 201. They predict everything in 2025. Bill Gates predicts catastrophic contagion, another pandemic, which is by the way, right after the, um, right after the, uh, WHO treaty will be signed where we just give away our sovereignty and, it becomes a medical dictatorship, which is fantastic. I'm sure that's really good. The mandatory lockdowns, mandatory injections, all that really good stuff. People who love freedom love to say. The people who claim they love freedom apparently love mandatory injections and lockdowns. It's bizarre. But we live in an upside down world at the moment, at this moment in time. And I'm being sarcastic when I say they love freedom. They hate freedom. They want tyranny. And I don't, I've never, I've never experienced such a generation that loves tyranny, but that's probably how it felt in the 30s with Mussolini and Hitler. I don't know. Maybe that's how it occurred. So there's going to be a cyber attack. Go listen to the the simulation. Every simulation they do comes true. So now they're planting a story to pre-program you in the New York Times about this cyber attack from Putin. And if you question it, you're a Putin puppet. Okay. So here, let me play a little clip of this, actually. Uh, It could be happening in weeks, which would be crazy because there is a bank crisis. So maybe they're taking advantage of it. This is from Redacted. Uh, Take a listen to this short clip. Bonus story of the day piece of propaganda reading now from the new york times this is the new york times the report also said that russia appears to be stepping up influence operations outside ukraine in a push to weaken european and american support for continuing military aid intelligence sharing and other assistance to the ukrainian government the effort would come as a faction in the republican party and some in the democratic party argues that supporting ukraine is not a core interest for the united states for now russia's main influence campaign is concentrated in Europe, but it will shift to the United States as the year gets closer to a presidential election. And that debate is going into the Let me finish that. fall, said Clint Watts. So that's really interesting, by the way. So all of us, they're, they're, they're saying that this cyber attack is going to come perfectly in time for when there's a presidential election in the U.S. Like, listen, I don't want to be conspiratorial here, but like, what? Really? Like, what? Of all times, that's when they expect it? Like, what? Like the laptop that wasn't uh, that was Russian disinformation. Like, what is going on here? What what kind of bizarre world are we living in? And people eat this stuff up. They read the New York Times. I think it's true. It's crazy. So who's Clint Watts? Who they get this quote from? Which, by the way, I shared the video I think two podcasts ago about how Ukraine. They literally their their head of their vice prime minister and head of digital transformation of Ukraine shared a video about how they're partnering with BlackRock and other institutions to be the testing ground for the new world order of cashless society uh, of a government run by artificial intelligence. Go listen to the video; it's amazing. Or go go watch on my Twitter at KOGZ. They posted it from the Ukraine government official account saying, "Yes, we're partnering with BlackRock to create a cashless society, uh, and it's all automated and you know run by bots. Fantastic." 
Uh, so they just put in your face and then, and then they tell you it's a conspiracy theory. It's, it's, it's a bizarre world. It literally, you can make this up. Uh, now Microsoft, which ironically has ties to Bill Gates, who, uh, seems to always be up to something not good, like trying to get us to eat artificial corn seeds so he can own the food supply. But that's nor here nor there. But the entire Ukrainian government now is on Microsoft servers. So the biggest private donor to Ukrainian government is Microsoft. It's on their website, like $430 million. Now the entire Ukrainian government is on Microsoft servers. Hmm. Why is that? Do we want control so we control this, a particular cyber threat? I don't know. Here, let, let, let's finish this clip real quick. The head of Microsoft's Digital Threat Analysis Center. I'm going to say that again. Clint Watts, the head of Microsoft Digital Threat Analysis Center. Hmm. Oh, I see what you're planting here. Clint Watts. Election, you say. Clint Watts. That's interesting. Head of Microsoft's Digital Threat Analysis Center. So who the hell is Clint Watts? And why is he the only source for this New York Times article? Oh, here's Clint Watts. Thanks to PBS. Here's a little bio of Clint Watts. PBS, an arm of the federal government. As Moon of Alabama reports, Clint Watts, you'll remember, was front and center of the now debunked Russiagate story. Thanks to Elon Musk and the Twitter files, we now know Clint Watts' name. We covered this on the show before. We've mentioned Clint Watts repeatedly here on Redacted. Every time. So when I saw his name (laughs) pop up in this article, it set off alarm bells. I'm like, where do I know this guy from? Like, where do I? So they get the same they get the same i mean these are actually conspiracy theories that are planted but we're not using that word they literally it's the same group of people planting this false information in the public to pre-program you for something they're going to carry out themselves i mean that's what they do they plant in the mainstream media the very thing that they themselves are planning to do later on to then blame on a foreign adversary like russia do you see the common thread? I mean, how many times do we have to go through this? I mean, before you know it, we'll be in a 15-minute city where we have literally zero freedoms before you wake up. This is unreal. I mean, this is epic, epic proportions now, okay? We got World War III, banking crisis. We got pandemics coming left and right, and you're being taught to believe that all those crises back to back to back to back at the same time are totally 100% normal. If you're buying into the narrative that these are normal, you are out of your brain. I don't even know what else to say. You are out of your mind, okay? It's not normal. Also, think about your life 10 years ago, okay? Just think about your life 15 years ago, okay? If you could think that far. Think about how not normal this is, how abnormal this is, okay? You understand? Good. I'm glad. All right. So we got the cyber attack. This could be a banking crisis. Credit Suisse could be in big trouble. Everyone's getting bailed out. The, uh, the, the Fed is pumping in two trillion. Yes. Two trillion dollars into the banking system now to keep it afloat. We'll see how that works. Cause they need, if you heard Gregory Manorino, we must continue inflating to keep the system propped up. And now you're seeing things like World War three trying to get started with Russia shooting down one of our drones. It's an act of war. Lindsey Graham, um, who allegedly might be gay, <laughs> that's not here nor there, but uh, uh, is going on Fox News saying, yeah, we must go to war. You know, we must send tanks, all this stuff. We must go to war. We must go to war. All these people who love to root for war don't fight in wars. It's really ironic. Uh, so you're, you're seeing us go to war because, as Gerald Salente says, when all else fails, they take you to war. 
That is what happens. When all else fails, they take you to war. And we got the banking crisis. We're in between pandemics. Uh, and they must take us to war before we start catching on what's going on. A lot of truth is coming out at once. People are realizing they've been fooled. It's all happening very, very quickly in the digital age right now. And people are freaking out and getting angry. And so they must take us to war. So, yes, we're already in World War III. But technically, war declared by Congress. Uh, that will probably happen sooner than later now. So expect a lot of news coming out about how Russia did this, Russia did that. And we must go to war. How they attacked the United States in some way. And we must go to war. So we'll have, we'll have boots on the ground very soon. Um, war is a big time distraction. You get extra powers in government. You know, you can supersede stuff. You can halt things. You could be more of a dictator. So it's fantastic for people who want to bring in a new financial system. So listen, I don't know how soon the CBDC will come. It seems like it might come sooner than later. Why? Because we're having the banking crisis right now. We'll see if it spreads. We'll see what happens. you got banks being bailed out like crazy, but eventually there's no money that will prop it up anymore. We're going to run out. So you need to have World War III. So World War III is very, very close. It's definitely imminent, but it's very, very close. So, all right, that's all I got for you today. Thank you for listening to Jonathan Cogan Show. Please subscribe if you ever get your podcasts. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel, which you can click onto on my Twitter page at K-O-G-Z, Kogs, K-O-G-Z. Follow on Twitter. Let me know what you think of the pod. Follow on, uh, subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on Rumble, trying to get the Rumble channel through the roof, if we could do that together. And um, and that's it. That's it. I hope you're doing fantastic. Even though we're having all these crises, you could still make the best of the moment. You could still be a part of the apolitical movement of community and love and pro-earth and pro-human and anti-people just dying in wars and endless wars and all this stuff and banking crises, okay? We must be there for each other, okay? This is a one love. We are all part of this. We're all interconnected in some way. We all came from the cosmos and we all must band together, brothers and sisters, and we will get through this. I guarantee we get through this, but it's gonna get real rocky before it gets better. Why? Because that's how it works, okay? It's gonna get real dark before the dawn, right? Isn't that how it goes? Real dark before the dawn? Something like that, all right? So I'll be with you tomorrow. It's always great to be with you. I love being with you. It's fantastic being with you. Phenomenal being with you. Thanks for subscribing to the podcast. Please share with two people. Let's get this to two more people who need to wake up or who, or who just woke up and are freaking out and just want the truth without bias, no political lens, just pure truth. If you know someone who wants truth, just truth, send them the Jonathan Cogan show. They might be upset when they hear it, but that's not what this is about. This isn't a feel-good podcast. This is a pro-truth podcast, okay? It's about getting the information. Then you take the information and use your critical thinking skills and come to your very own conclusions. You might come to different conclusions, but you come to your own conclusions. That's how the Jonathan Cogan Show works. We love freedom. We genuinely love freedom, and we don't care about your political biases because we aren't political, and we just want to be truthful, and it's a movement, and it's a movement of love. That's it, point blank. All right, everybody, I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for watching the Jonathan Cogan Show. Adios, Dandala, hotter than holy water. I'll see you tomorrow.